Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast, the official podcast of FilmPulse.net. Thank you so much for listening. This is episode number 147. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, my partner in crime, my golden eagle, oh Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing, e- Kevin? Golden eagle, indeed. I like that. Let's keep it. <laughs> Let's keep it. From now, from henceforth, I'm golden henceforth, eagle. Henceforth, Kevin will be known as golden eagle. Or eagle. <laughs> or eagle. Or just Kevin. <laughs> or just Kevin. <laughs> or coach. <laughs> One of those uh, four. So this... This week on the show, we'll be go- we'll be talking about three awards hopefuls with Foxcatcher, Whiplash, and Leviathan. Of course, we'll also be going over this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand and DVD and Blu-ray releases. Remember, you can send us your questions to podcast at filmpulse.net or leave a comment on the site. We'd love to hear from you. So before we get into it, a couple couple news bits. We got some in-house items. We got some some big news. Uh, most most importantly, this whole business with Sony and their response to the threats that were put out there from this hacker group. And basically, they said, uh, unless you pull the interview from theaters, we're going to do a 9-11 style attack on movie theaters across the country, which, I mean, Homeland Security came out and said that, that it's not a credible threat. Yeah. And... To my knowledge, here's what happened. So Sony said they came out and they said, if you're if you're a movie theater and you're concerned about it, you can pull the movie, no hard feelings. So all the big theater chains, AMC, Regal, Carmike, uh, I'm missing a couple there. Cinemark and there's like another one in there somewhere. But all the big theater chains pulled the movie. <laughs> and then Sony came out and said, you know what? Screw it. We're just going to pull it from all theaters. Yeah. And a lot of people, there's a lot of backlash on that decision. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you think about this? I mean, come on. Are you serious? You're going to pull right. the whole film? Give me a break. And, and not only that, but at first they said, so Variety reported that they were looking into releasing it on VOD. But then later, Sony came out and said, oh, no VOD distributor will will have us they will they won't and i'm like that's bullshit yeah that's complete that is bullshit. complete bullshit they can release that on vod if they want i mean all they have to do is put it out on a website you know what i mean like mm-hmm. put it out on vimeo on demand yeah that's a self-publisher i mean you could have done they could have done that for like ten dollars yeah you and i bet you any money they would have made more money and, yeah, and that's, in theaters. yeah, that's what I said, because uh, Ernie said something on Facebook about it. And I said, you know what? If they put it out on VOD, charge like 10 bucks for it, they would recoup a lot of their losses from pulling it from theaters and more people would see it just oh. out of spite. Oh, even yeah. if oh, even yeah. if people weren't interested in seeing the movie in theaters, exactly. they'd see it on demand oh, exactly. just out of spite. And it's also interesting that this is getting such attention from... Um, the government and you know Obama came out and he he had a statement on it <laughs> I, I lost it when that happened <laughs> I, I love it. I mean he was basically like Sony you done fucked up <laughs> I was just like you have the president discussing the interview yeah a movie with Seth Rogen and James Franco <laughs> are you kidding me like what 
what kind of topsy turvy world? And uh, the the other interesting thing that I found about this is that this is uh, one of the very very few topics that's being discussed recently in our country that's got bipartisan support. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Democrats and Republicans <laughs> are coming together and they're like, Sony, you fucked up. Who would have thought <laughs> Seth Rogen comedy would bring the country together? Oh my. Fantastic. I do think it's interesting just how, I mean, I, I'm trying to look at it from Sony's perspective. You know, they're like, there were these threats made. We don't want to mess with that. It's a huge liability issue. What if something does happen? Blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, it's like, you can't be doing that. Because now, they have the they have the upper hand. They have the ability to walk all over you because of this. Yeah. And they did come out with a follow-up statement saying, okay, now that you pulled it from theaters, we don't want to see it ever. You can't put it out on DVD. You can't put it out on VOD. Uh, any website that shows clips, trailers, uh, any pirate sites that put it up, nothing. You can't have it anywhere. This movie no longer exists. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> I mean, come on. That's ridiculous. And I was pretty excited to see the movie, too. I actually have to say, I I had no interest in this movie at all. I thought the premise was just absolutely stupid, and I had well, no interest. Yeah, I have no interest in seeing it. But I must say that now I want to see it very badly. <laughs> so, furthermore, to to make things even more ridiculous, uh, Draft House, uh, the Alamo Draft House, came out, and they said, "Okay, you know what? Instead of showing the interview, we're going to show Team America. You know, the, the yeah, Trey yeah. Parker, Matt Stone movie, and." They planned on showing that in their theaters, and then Paramount came came out and pulled that and didn't allow them to play that. What the hell is going yeah. on? I was like, what? what is this? What is happening here? What's going on? This is Come ridiculous. On. Come on, guys. Get it together. I think uh, Roper came out with a, with a video talking about this, and it was, it was very kind of a poignant video about a lot of people look at this as just not a big deal you know it's just a dumb screwball comedy it wasn't they didn't plan on it making a ton of money to begin with yeah so what's the big deal but this sets a very dangerous precedent i think Mm -hmm. and it's not definitely a a dark day for hollywood i would say that Mm. what the hell yeah so let's talk about this challenge that we set here oh boy because we we didn't even really talk about this in person we just kind of started setting it up through letterboxd and through text messages just, and stuff like that this this got kind of out of hand this got <laughs> completely out of hand i just wanted some suggestions for my viewing <laughs> resolutions and i get hit with tyler perry then i get hit with you like 25 films on the side which i've never even done the 50 films that i set up for myself each year i always fail so now i have even more challenges that i'm going to fail at it's well just, the way i looked at it so, when I saw that you were looking for suggestions, I was like, well, I got some suggestions for him. I have some suggestions. Because you always, it seems like you, you want to make I always, this list. Yeah, I always uh, and go you wanna, things that I don't watch normally. Right, and you, you're always trying to broaden your horizons. But at the same time, most of what you pick is still within your wheelhouse. And A little bit, yeah. 
I mean, and it, I was like, like this, you know what? this year was I'm, mostly just directors that I haven't watched that are considered important. So I was trying to chop those off the list. You got to understand, I have a, a huge, huge backlog of things that I don't have any knowledge of or right. viewing experiences. There's just there's so much stuff, and I'm even finding more things that I didn't even know of. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. people are suggesting things that I didn't even know were genres. Right. Well, that's that's the cool thing about Letterbox is it it helps expand your your viewing knowledge and helps you learn about all these new and interesting genres and filmmakers. Oh and, yeah. You know, production houses and all this great stuff. So anyway, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna challenge him to. 25 movies of my choosing, and this will really broaden his horizons. <laughs> so I made a little video of it. and then I love the fact that you made a video. I love your video, by the way. It got me kind of pumped up for my challenge. It's going to be a fun challenge. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a very fun challenge. So uh, check, check out the video, and then you came back and you challenged me, which I fully expected. Yes. So you can go... Those of you listening, you can go to the site and look at the 25 movies I picked for Kevin and vice versa. I'm, and I must the, point out that but my initial list was like, it was a dick move. And I had to like bring myself down because oh, I, I made it like hard. It was like five Loft Diaz movies and like five Bellatars and like nothing but experimental cinema. But I was like, nah, nah I can't do that to him. Well, that, I got well, to bring one- it down a little bit. That's the thing with the challenge that I gave you. I wasn't trying to be a dick about no, it. No, no, no. I wasn't trying to be like I'm gonna pick the worst of the worst and make him do that. I was genuinely trying to make it the most fun yes. that I could. And when you when you watch a lot of these movies like the canon, I pick nothing but action movies. I know. I'm I'm very um, excited about that that portion of it. And I picked a. I picked one that stars John Voight, one stars Stallone, one that stars Chuck Norris. I tried to to mix it up the best I could with that. So now interest- I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be fun. Interestingly enough, my challenge for you is also extremely fun, but I have a different sense of what's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm looking forward to it. I really am. I'm, Just I'm not. Let me know. There's a couple films on there that you might have trouble finding. Let me know. I have them on DVD, and I can I can ship them to you. I can yeah. hook you up. I feel like it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. now. Now, are there any? Because I didn't I didn't previously give you the list. Are there any movies that I gave Ooh. you that you've already seen? <clears throat> there is one, Forbidden Planet. I have seen that one. Oh, okay, okay. So we might need a yeah. I might, might have need, to come up with yeah, a replacement a for that. Substitute. For I, that I actually one. do have backups that I made. Is one the blob? No, what was it? I'm gonna. I'll have to look it up. I have the list written down somewhere. Okay. And I'll look it up. But I, I think I had a couple of the sci-fi ones as backups. Okay. Now that's a genre like the old stuff, 50s, 60s sci-fi. Yeah. That's that's not a genre that I'm very familiar with. So actually with a lot of these that I gave you, I'm looking forward to seeing them myself because there are a few of them that I haven't seen. There's actually the same thing goes for your list. There's a couple of them on there that I haven't seen, but I I plan to watch in the coming year. So should be fun. So have yeah. some discussion. It's going to be a it's going to be a fun year. Very fun year. 
All right, let's go ahead and jump into our first review. I was thinking we could kind of go in chronological order in, in, as far as the release dates and do Whiplash, Foxcatcher, Leviathan. Let's do it. All right. So first up, we have Whiplash. This is directed by Damien Chazelle and also written by Damien Chazelle. I have a synopsis here. A promising young drummer enrolls at a cutthroat music conservatory where his dreams of greatness are mentored by an instructor who will stop at nothing to realize a student's potential. The stars Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons. Now, I saw this at, at Sundance, like I said last week. Kevin, we'll start with you. Whiplash, what do you think? Now, I... First off, I gotta ask: Did you rewatch? I did like rewatch. Per- okay. Okay. Yes, I did. Yes, I rewatched. Okay. Uh, for me, I was very excited. I love jazz. Love it big time. I was very excited to watch this one. I'm a fan of J.K. Simmons, and everyone's you know lauding his performance here. So expectations were pretty high. Plus, you throw in a little Paul Reiser, and he was really good in it. Yeah, he was good in it. Um, for me, <clears throat> it's a bit too safe in execution the script Mm. is just a bit too safe it just hits all the beats just goes Mm. through it i was i was completely with it until the the scene with miles teller driving Mm -hmm. to yeah to the competition and two of the songs that he's playing in this movie are called whiplash and caravan and he gets t-boned by a truck so in in a sense, he gets whiplash from a caravan, and his car flips. He doesn't have a seatbelt on, and he just crawls out and runs to the competition. And I was just like, "Oh, are you kidding me? Are you serious? Come on!" But that's that shows his dedication, yeah, and his drive. Sure, um, it's just a, a bit too neat for me, and a bit too safe. But I do have to say, even considering that, it is. It is a well-made film. The performances are good, and man, does it pay off with that ending. Just the yeah. interplay between J.K. and Miles at the end there, oh, that that made up for a lot, I got to say. So this was, when we did our mid-year top 10s, this was a runner-up of mine. It wasn't on the top 10. I will say, after re-watching it, it's going to make it on my top 10. I had a blast with this, re-watching it. Uh, the, just the... The powerful performances in this movie. I mean, J.K. Simmons, holy shit. I mean, I would be scared if I was Miles Teller. I would be scared to act in a room with him because he was that intense in this movie. I mean, like, in the back of my mind, I would know that it's just J.K. Simmons acting. (laughs) But at the the same time, I'd be scared shitless (laughs) because he's, like, in your face screaming at you and just tearing you apart uh i thought that all of the the drumming scenes looked amazing they were fantastic when the music when the music comes out in this film that's where it really shines yeah all those scenes with the music with the band playing teller drumming that's where it's at everything outside of that was a bit a bit much for me and the other thing for me was going into it just knowing the synopsis i knew exactly what this film was going to be and it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. It was extremely predictable. Well, Just... I went see when I first saw it, I didn't know anything about it. Um, and seeing it in a theater, if you can see it in a theater, please do because this is one where when you hear that sound, it is so loud. Yes, and... I wish I I wish I had a better sound system to hear this sucker on. I mean, it, it would have really... been fantastic. 
yeah, it really gets to you when you're when you're in a theater environment watching this. Um, I I thought that there were some a number of things that happened in this movie that kind of did subvert my expectations, like especially with the relationship he had with the the girl. That that was the, uh, how that was the only thing that threw me for a loop. That how was he the just only so, thing where he just came out and said, yeah. because you thought it was going to go down that road, and he right. just sort of Giselle just sort of like fast forwards through that part just cuts it out Mm -hmm. like we're not going to do this and that's (laughs) not to me that wasn't typical of these types of movies i mean structurally this movie is very much like a sports movie right Mm -hmm. it's it plays like a a sports film yes where you know you have this promising young uh person athlete musician what have you that is coming up against a very domineering teacher and he's just trying to make it he's trying to do it he's trying to be the best trying to turn him into the next charlie parker and and i think that it's interesting to see that he he from the very beginning he puts the drumming before anything else like he is 100 percent dedicated to it and he knows this and he has to tell you know his loved ones and and what have you that you know this is it like i can't get distracted and you don't normally see that in movies. Movies like this, typically, they try to juggle it, and it always ends badly. Yeah. You know, the only the, one of the things that I had a problem with is they made Miles Teller's character of Andrew. It seemed like he was the only one at Schaefer that was driven. Like any time that you see any of the other students, they're just talking about chicks and getting laid, and they just don't really care. And he was the only one that was like driven. And I'm thinking, if this is the best school for music miles teller is not going to be the only person that is completely driven yeah i'm sure that's true but at the same time it's still you're still dealing with young people and i think that that's what sets him apart from a lot of these other students is that they have lives outside of music you know music is their passion that's what they want to do but for him that's it. You know, that's his entire focus yeah. on life. And I think that's kind of atypical for most people of that age. Uh, I don't think so. I think, there's a, I think a, it is. I think there's a lot of completely driven people that just put the blinders mm. on. Go I never it. met anybody that was like that. But, and, no, and I mean, nobody at Dallastown High School is like that, that's well, for sure. But this is what I'm saying. It's This isn't Dallastown High School. That's why they sort of made it seem like a high school. But you're talking about the top... Oh, no. Music yeah, you're school right. You're right. in the country. There's going to be more than one person that's completely driven, like Miles Teller's character is. I mean, the other, right, but you know, the other guy's like, as soon as the other character gets the folder and he gives it to Miles, you're like, well, Miles is going to lose it. And then, of course, the guy's like, oh, I don't know how to play without my visual cues. And you're just like, come on. Well, uh, this guy think... can't memorize music. Like, why oh, the hell is he in the not. best school? Apparently not. That's why I got kicked out. Uh, but this is also just a very small kind of part of this school, too. I mean, there's a lot of it that we didn't get no, to yeah, see. True, true. This is one. This is studio band or whatever they called it. Right. Yeah. And this is just for me, it was just a bit too safe. It was like if we have to. And this is even mentioned in the film. Like if I had to liken it to a jazz artist, this is Wynton Marsalis. Just rigorous structured and just safe there's no wildness to it there's no heart to it it's just i was kind of disappointed 
But still, I got to say, it's still exceptionally well made. J.K. Simmons nails it. The drumming sequences are fantastic. So it was, I was kind of like torn. I, didn't, I wasn't a big fan of the narrative that's going on because it's so predictable. But at the same time, it's jazz drumming. So I'm just like, I, I don't care. I just want to see jazz drumming. Give it to me. This it should also be mentioned that this is Damien Chazelle's feature debut. He previously did a short film called Whiplash that was made into this feature length. And now I haven't seen the short film, but I know that it also stars J.K. Simmons in okay. the same role. All right. But I'm gonna have to as, check far as, out. Feature, as far as the feature debut, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I'll, I'll give it to him. I'll give it to him. I mean, it's, but there is a, a section uh, towards the end after J.K. Simmons, you know, something kind of unfortunate happens mm-hmm. to him and he meets up with Miles a little bit later and they're having a discussion. And J.K. Simmons is kind of talking about, like, why jazz is dying. And he's talking about, you know, Charlie Parker, the story of Charlie Parker and how he pushed his students because he wanted to find the next great person. And I'm thinking, this film doesn't kind of realize that you're not going to find a Charlie Parker in a music school. That's not where you're going to find the next great jazz artist. Those types of people don't go to jazz school or music conservatories. I think that maybe in the back of his mind, J.K. Simmons knew that. Because, I mean, you look at all the greats, and it's not like they're, well, I graduated top of my class at yeah. music music school. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, imagine, like, Rashawn Roland Kirk just rolling up into J.K. Simmons' class with, like, four four saxophones wrapped around his neck. J.K. Simmons is going to be like, what the fuck are you doing? But still, at the same time, if you're Miles Teller, and you want to be the greatest jazz drummer of the modern era, what do you do? You know what I mean? Like, of course you're going to try to do everything you can to achieve that. And if, if going to the best music school in the country is going to help you get closer to that, then you're going to do it. Yeah. So, I mean, while I agree with you that they probably won't, you know, be churning out the next great jazz drummer from this school or whatever. uh, I think that what's the alternative you well, know, for him, for but, him to be the like alternative is just doing it, man. That's what it's about. It's just doing it, just playing. That's what I but, mean. That's that's, but like that's said, what's killing jazz is that but they, you've taken an art form and then you've built schools around it. Like, but at hey, the same time, we're gonna this, take jazz drumming one hundred and one. No, these schools, though. I mean, it's not like they're being. It's not like they're necessarily, at least from what I saw in the movie, they're not being taught things. They're just playing and practicing and getting better a lot of the stuff it seems like the one of the main reasons to go to the schools to get connections and yeah. network yeah and get, get the, yourself <laughs> that's the only reason to go to any schools really let's be honest yeah but the the int- the only interesting thing that i did like was the end the payoff in this movie is just fantastic that last uh, performance yeah. just fucking goes nuts and that's where it does it does kind of break free a little bit where Miles Teller does he takes over mm-hmm. and the way that that plays out is just unbelievable that whole sequence at the end man that made up for a lot I gotta oh, yeah. say that was one hell of an ending just I mean, the you, way they did it after that's over you're out of breath yeah you know you're you're tired you're ready for a nap and you're just after like after that man he killed and he's winding down the drum at his crazy soul and he's winding it down winding it down and you're like okay it's over and then they 
just full blast into the song. And then, you know, they go into the song for like maybe like half a minute and then the movie just stops. Yeah. Just like, I love it. damn, that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted. And he gave it to me. So I got I had problems with the film, but overall it was a hell of an experience. I did enjoy myself, even though, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm pointing out flaws and stuff. But overall, no, that's, it's a good time. That's what you're supposed to do, I guess. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I yeah, I didn't I didn't have many flaws with it. Uh I'm going to stick with my Do you do you have any final thoughts before we give a score to this? Uh I just want to say that I'm really excited about uh jazz and films this year. Yeah, like, the we have Birdman, Whiplash, and... Birdman, the Listen Up Phillips soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Ida has some Coltrane in it. I like it. I like this comeback Very... with jazz. Very cool. Keep it up. So, I'm going to stick with my original when I wrote my original review for this and I gave it an eight and a half. You give it an eight and a half. Okay. Oh, I think I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go with a seven, even though I had problems with it, the performances and the drumming sequences, just, they override a lot. They made up for a lot of it. Okay. There you go. Whiplash. Uh, th- that had a wider rollout over the last couple weeks. So I would say, check your listings, see if it's still playing in your area. I would highly recommend seeking it out in theaters if you get a chance. Let's move on to our next movie. We're talking about Foxcatcher. This is directed by Bennett Miller. I have a synopsis here. The greatest Olympic wrestling champion brother team. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Joins Team Foxcatcher, led by multimillionaire sponsor John E. DuPont, as they train for the 1988 Games in Seoul, a union that leads to unlikely circumstances. What a, st- a, a leads to unlikely circumstances. What does that even mean? <laughs> unlikely circumstances. Yeah, very <laughs> unlikely. All right. This it stars Channing Tatum, Steve Carell, Mark Ruffalo, Sienna Miller's in there for a very short time. Vanessa Redgrave, Anthony Michael Hall. He does pop up. He does. So I'll start it off with this one. Now, I wasn't a huge fan of Moneyball. That was Bennett Miller's last movie. And I wasn't a huge fan of this one either. Okay. All right. It was okay. It, I didn't have much of a problem with it. And I'll say this. I thought that the performances were awesome. I thought that Channing Tatum, no, most notably Channing Tatum and Mark Ruffalo with Steve Carell. Uh, I felt like he, he did a good job, but at the same time, I felt like he was putting on a character. I couldn't, I couldn't disconnect Steve Carell from John DuPont. You know what I mean? Like I felt like it was just him putting on a performance. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know why, but I just I couldn't separate the two. Well, I gotta say that. I mean, I'm glad that you said that you said what you said performance wise because a lot of people have been talking about oh Ruffalo is amazing and Steve Carell is amazing, but the one that really struck me was Channing Tatum. I thought he was, he was head yeah. and shoulders above the other I mean, two. That one scene, there's there's one scene. <laughs> oh yeah, and it, not not a big spoiler or anything. It's in a hotel room. Yes, correct. that scene, right then and there, I was like, okay, the Channing Tatum is he's this. Taken. He's going. He, yeah, I mean, he's he's made it. Because I mean, let's be honest, Ruffalo's character is it's Ruffalo. It's like every other Ruffalo that he's 
every movie he's been yeah, in. But he it's, always it's plays the, kind of the same character. He does a little more physicality-wise. It's the subtleties, though. It is, it, it is the subtleties, but again, I didn't think it was anything amazing. It's still a solid performance. Don't get me wrong. I'm not yeah. completely knocking it, but it didn't blow me away. And then with Steve Carell's character, you know, again, solid performance, but really the only thing he's doing is just he has an unusual cadence to his voice. Yeah. And he says some odd things, and mm-hmm. that's about it. And he has a weird way of walking. <laughs> yes. Well, that's the the whole thing about this movie is it's very creepy. I got the whole time I was watching this movie, I just got this creepy vibe. Too. Oh, it's like, very creepy. And especially everything. Let's, let's throw this out here real quick. Did you know the story of? Yes, I did. Okay, I did. I did as well. All right. So I, I knew what happened. It doesn't make it any less shocking when it does happen in the movie, though. No, it doesn't. I, <laughs> still the shocking. way the way that they handled that and the way that they shot that, it all felt very real and just awful. Uh, so I thought that they did a really good job with with that. Uh, it was just an awkward movie. Everything about it was weird and and creepy. And I know that that's probably that's the tone they were going for. Uh, but I had a lot of problems with trying to figure out how much time had passed and where we were at in the story and and the motivations of these characters. I was having a real hard time because something happens and then Channing Tatum just ch- his character changes completely. He just does a one eighty. Well, that's be- and- that's because they bring in his brother. He was trying to get out from underneath the shadow, which is kind of what Dupont was feeding him to keep him there and then all of a sudden dupont brings in his brother and he just sort of i think it was kind of like a betrayal for mark schultz that his brother is now coming in and kind of taking over and he's regulated back to back to the shadow which i think is kind of what i don't know i don't know what ticked him off a little bit because it seemed it seemed like he at first was trying to get his brother to come on board he was he was And, and then when his brother does come on board he just shuts down completely. I think that's kind of what it was. I think Dave kind of understood. Well, I mean, we're going by the, the film rendition here. It made it look like, you know, Dave saw it as an opportunity for Mark to kind of break off and do his own thing, you know, establish himself. And then, of course, Mark gets kind of fed that from DuPont, like as he's working on the on the farm and everything, and he's training the Olympic athletes and everything. And then all of a sudden... DuPont just brings Dave in, and he just kind of shuts down. Yeah, but I think that they were also trying to... It it almost seemed like... Because it it happened... He started acting weird after the whole night practice thing with (laughs) DuPont. So it almost seemed like they were trying to imply that there was some uh, sexual abuse that was happening as well. Well, I think... I mean, you have male wrestling. So it yeah, kind of has of that inherent homoeroticism in there. And they kind of shoot it that way from the beginning. That it's just all the wrestling is just kind of uncomfortable. Especially when DuPont's involved. Just feels really weird. As in, oh, you know, like why the, why is he so interested in wrestling? And, you know, that, well, that time when they're kind of having their party about him winning the, the Nationals or the Worlds or whatever it is. And he just starts wrestling with guys. 
It's just like that scene. Oh my god! It's just like this is kind of like this is weird. I just wanted to leave the room. That <laughs> scene was happening. It's just uh, I couldn't take it. I think the one of the most awkward scenes is the one where his mom comes in and he's wearing the the, the pads. The, yeah, the, the whole, short the shorts, sing, the sing or the yeah, all of that, and he's trying to show them moves, and his mom's sitting there watching. That yeah. was just. Oh, and yeah, I mean, you gotta kind of understand too. I mean, he had a very weird upbringing, especially well, yeah. in which they kind of uh, touch on upon it a little bit, where he's talking about you know he only had one friend growing up, and it was yeah, and he found out that he was being paid. Yeah, he's being paid, and then Dupont goes into like wrestling himself, and you see you know his opponents being paid off. Yeah, it's. I- I'm wondering if he knew about that or. He might did not know about that. Which that I, was, I gotta say, that was kind of the interesting thing that Bennett Miller did here is he kind of just alludes to things. He doesn't come out and say like, okay, this is this happened because of this reason. He just, you know, sort of throws little bits out there, implying things, and lets you come to, you know, your own conclusion of, you know, character motivations and what have you. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of interesting. I like that. I liked the conversation that he had with his mom about the train set. Yes. <laughs> because Which it shows you like what we're dealing yeah, with it, here. It shows you that, I mean, he's still a child. He's like, I don't know how old he was during this time, was 50s or something, and yeah. he was still a child. Well, and I think that's what maybe drew those two together, him and Mark Schultz. You know, he's, John DuPont's trying to get out of the shadow of his mother, but the family and you're trying to do right. his own thing and he's trying to do that with Mark by his side and then for some reason he just brings Ruffalo's character and David and just everything falls apart. Yes, but also he's also trying to get he's trying to seek the approval of his mother too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just yeah. constantly trying to seek her approval and try to make her proud of him. That's why he's like trying to win these awards and do all this stuff and show her that that he's a great wrestling coach, even though he he doesn't do anything. Yeah, exactly. he's the worst wrestling coach ever. Well, he tells you how to drag that, rip it across. I mean, yep. that is a that's a solid move right there. You got yep. that's that's you gotta funda- drag it and rip it. <laughs> that's fundamentals, buddy. Just drag it and rip it. Uh, the the biggest thing for me that it. The thing that I enjoyed the most outside of the performances were, number one, the way that he filmed a lot of the the wrestling practices and such, especially the first one between Tatum and Ruffalo, where things kind of get out of hand. Yeah. I love that he just, it's slow, it's deliberate, there's no music to it, it's just those two going at it. Mm-hmm. And I liked a lot of the quiet moments where, the, you know, there's people having conversations off in the distance, but there's no... You can't hear anything. I just like the way that he kind of made those scenes more subdued instead of, you know, giving it that grandiose musical score that so many other films do. Yeah, I mean, it was very matter of fact. Yeah, um, kept it all kind of like seething underneath. Yeah, yeah. At least for me, I like, because I, like I, knew, I knew how it was going to end. So you're just, you're, right. you're waiting. Now, there were a lot of differences now i know most most movies do this when we're talking about true stories but there were a lot of things about this movie that were slightly skewed from the real story 
And there were certain things that, that they omitted, and I under, I can understand why, just time constraints. And, and I think that Bennett Miller tried to keep the film focused, although I do feel that it started losing its focus at times. But John DuPont wasn't just into wrestling. like He was into swimming, too. He had a, a swim team that he also coached. Dude, he, I mean, he's an ornithologist. Yeah. He's a philatelist. <laughs> Philatel- philanthropist, ornithologist, philatelist. That that scene just went on way too it, long. Yeah, but. it's cocaine. It's just <laughs> cocaine. Just put it in your nose. That um, for whatever apparent- reason that that scene just had me rolling. That's one of those that broke me down. Talk about- I thought the I thought the funniest scene was when just when he said, "You don't have to call me Mr. Dupont. You can call my friends call yes. me Gold Eagle or Golden Eagle or John or Coach." <laughs> that was my favorite line in the whole movie. Uh, oh God, just the look on like, Tatum's call- face, dude. And and I I wanted so bad for him to call him Golden Eagle for the rest of the movie. I know. I wish. You- hey, Golden Eagle. Hey, hey, I mean, hey, Golden Eagle. And I don't know. Maybe maybe that's what it's implied. There is no one called him Golden Eagle after that. That's kind of what made him snap. Who knows? Maybe. Actually, I do know what made him snap in real life. It was because Dave Schultz was leaving to teach at Stanford. And John DuPont looked at him as one of his only true friends. And he was leaving to teach at Stanford. Yeah. Which is kind of... Which they don't don't say that in the movie, though. No, they don't say that. Plus, they also don't really set it up as, like, him and Dave Schultz being really that friendly. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you have... And and that's the other thing. Uh, in real life, I read that Dave Schultz was very hesitant to go there to begin with. He never liked John DuPont, and he really struggled with the idea of going and working for him. Yeah. He never liked him, and he didn't want to do it. Yeah. And and they they it seems in the way that they presented in the movie, it seems like at first he was like nah, but then eventually they he just was like all right. Yeah, that was kind of. That was kind of abrupt, the way that he just comes in. That was just that was the main issue I had with the movies. I I didn't feel like the as much as they explore the the characters. I feel like the 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 emotional attachment between each of the characters and the connections that they had wasn't. I just didn't feel like it was fully developed enough. And I and I know that's a really weird criticism and probably something that's difficult to do given the given all the information that they had to pack into this movie yeah but at the same time i just i guess i just wanted a little bit more understanding of the why these characters did these things in this movie yeah but i think that's one of those things that we'll never know well i think for a lot of the stuff we do know but well i mean like stuff and stuff and actual you know uh relationships between each other it's all kind of like speculation. Yeah, I would like to read the book and see what yes, yeah. what Mark Schultz says in the book, because I bet that that explains things a little bit better. Now, I did actually watch the documentary. You know, in the in the movie, there's a there's a part yeah yeah where they're making a documentary similar to uh, they did the same thing in the fighter actually yeah and uh, I watched I believe it was the same one and it was ridiculous was it. <laughs> yeah. Does he call himself Golden Eagle throughout? No, he okay. doesn't. Yeah. 
he doesn't. Just the other thing was, uh, this is kind of a spoiler if you don't know the, the real story of what happened, but let's just say something happens with John DuPont and he gets arrested. And in the movie, they catch him right away, but in real life, he was at large for a while. Well, he was like locked in his house for like two days. Yeah, I think the only reason they got him because they like turned off. They turned off the heat. Yeah, Yeah. he just like walks out. (laughs) He walks out to fix his heat, and they just bum rush him. Yeah, yeah. He something happened. I don't know if he, you know, if it was if it was always there or something snapped in him that he became. I think it was always there. Unsound. You know what I mean. yeah, because uh, they didn't explore this in the movie either because it happened years before all this stuff. But he was married uh, for a short time, and his wife left him because she thought that, that he was going to kill her. And they were only married for like three months or something because he was abusive to mm-hmm. her, and he threatened to kill her and all this stuff. So it was our, it was there. Um, yeah. But... You just didn't find out in the movie until later. It seemed like he just kind of snapped, but I think it was always there. Yeah, I, mean, the guy, I, think, I think maybe in the film they were just going for like a more, like it was more cinematic that way to have right. his, his instability be a little more subtle, you know, where mm-hmm. the, the exchanges and interactions are just a bit off. Right. You're just yep. like, is this guy just an eccentric old money rich guy or is something seriously wrong here? I think when he buys the tank, you know, that there's yeah, something. Yeah, and he's pissed off that it doesn't <laughs> have a gun. The, the gun machine doesn't gun include the gun. <laughs> oh, boy. What a weirdo. Oh, old money people. I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. He was a scumbag, that guy. Well, it's always funny because rich people are always labeled as eccentric. But if you're poor, you're just fucking insane. Like, if mm-hmm. you acted the way that he acted, you're just crazy. But if you have money, you're eccentric. Yeah. Uh, I don't really have anything else to add. I liked it. I believe I liked it more than what a lot of people are saying about it. I feel like it's getting kind of middle of the road. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like the the execution of it. I was really impressed by the execution, the quietness to it, the subdued nature, you know, not having music and letting things play out in silence and just... like everything felt washed out too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the colors. They they made sure that everything was washed out. It felt very eighties without hammering you over the head with the fact that it was the eighties. <laughs> sort of like sort of like a most violent year, actually. Okay. I'm looking forward to that bit right there. <sighs> yes, it's a very drab, colorless movie, much like uh sort of like the next one we're gonna talk about too. Oh boy. Let's go ahead and give Foxcatcher a score out of 10. Kevin, what are you saying on Foxcatcher? Foxcatcher. This one's tough. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to go uh, I'm gonna go 8. 8? I'm going to give it a 7.5. Okay. I was thinking about that for a second. Thinking about the 7.5? The old 7.5. I, mm, well, I was reaching for it. I'm you're committed to the 8 now. so. Damn it. That's what you have to live with. You made your bed, now sleep in it. I hate all my decisions. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> all right, let's move on to our third movie of the day, Leviathan. This it, is not the Peter Weller one, and <laughs> it is also not the GoPro one. This is the Russian one. Uh, a lot of the Leviathans going on. Lots of Leviathans happening. So I have a synopsis here. Oh, oh It's directed by Andre Zv... <laughs> Zvagintsev. That's not Zvagintsev. 
That sounds pretty it's cool. so it's so funny because I was actually I was literally practicing saying the name before we started recording and it I never it doesn't it. help, does it? Nope. I do the same thing. It doesn't help. Zvayinkstev. Nailed it. Pathetic. (laughs) It's pathetic. Terrible and pathetic. Uh, I have a synopsis here. In a a Russian coastal town, Kolya is forced to fight the corrupt mayor when he is told that his house will be demolished. He recruits a lawyer friend, Dmitry, to help. But the man's arrival brings further misfortune for Kolya and his family. Uh, So, Kevin, we'll go ahead and start it with you. What do you think of Leviathan? Mm, Leviathan. Oh, man. I'm torn on this one. Well, I can tell you right now, I have two separate reviews. I have, have a cri- I have cr- critic Adam review, and I have <laughs> Adam the person review. <laughs> uh, I look forward to both. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of this director. I enjoyed Alina. I enjoyed the return. And I really, truly feel that he has a masterpiece within him that's going to come out. And I thought from what everyone was saying, you know, the critical praise that was coming out for this movie, I thought this was the one. Hmm. I was really excited for it. I couldn't wait to get into it. This is on the Oscar shortlist for best foreign films. And pretty much every review that I've seen for it has been very positive. 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. So I thought that this was the masterpiece. I thought he finally did it. You know, he did it four movies deep in his filmography. But I got to say, it left a little bit to be desired. I wasn't that enthralled by it. I, you know, the cinematography in it didn't really grip me like his other movies. Um, And I don't, you know, it could be a lot of this could stem from the fact that I don't, you know, I don't have a great understanding of what's going on in Russia. So maybe some of this is going over my head. Yes. Because, you know, I'm not... I don't live there. I don't know what's going on. Um, <clears throat> but there's, there is uh, buried underneath of what's kind of surface level, the whole Leviathan and Job and everything. There mm-hmm. is a little more to unpack. And maybe with the second viewing, I'm going to see some things. Or maybe, you know, a couple of days from now when I keep thinking about this film, you know, I'll come around to it. But I got to say, I was kind of middle of the road with this one. Yeah. So I, I agree um, and here, here's why I'm, I would say that I, I have kind of two reviews for this movie. One is the me being as objective as I can and giving like a critical review of this. Uh, for that side of it, I would say that this movie is very well made. I think that it's interesting how they took the book of Job and kind of transplanted it into modern Russia and basically made it a, a kind of a, a story about the problems with modern Russia and the problems with the government and, and religion and how this all fits in and the fact that, you know, a, a man who does no wrong can have this kind of shit happen to him yeah, and just piles on and on and on. And uh, I thought that I actually thought that the cinematography was fantastic in this movie. Um, but on the other side, just me personally oh and also yeah for me personally i would say that like you said i don't have an attachment to modern russia i don't live there i've never been there and so for me it's it's hard to relate to a lot of what's being said in this movie Mm -hmm. now I, i can appreciate 
the way that they're presenting it and what they're saying, but at the same time, there is I have a disconnect. Yeah, and I mean, I will readily admit my ignorance when it comes. Now, the only thing that I did kind of know about from watching some other films is you know how the the government is kind of tied to the religion and they're right. kind of one yeah. and the same. Yeah, they work for each other. So I knew that portion of it, but everything else was kind of like I don't really know about. It's kind of dealing with, I don't know what they call it in Russia, but it's like eminent domain type mm-hmm. deal. Yeah. So I don't know how that really works out. But it, but it also deals with a lot of corruption with yes, government officials. Because the guy that they're trying to fight against is extremely corrupt. And so it, it deals with that as well. And I think that it tries to draw comparisons with current Russian leaders and things like that. I mean, you see the, the Putin... Uh, portraits everywhere in every room and then also that scene where they are shooting and they have the portraits of the previous leaders you know stalin lenin and all that and then yeah yeltsin's in there yeah so i found this movie just for me personally i thought that it was way too dry i just so it was just nothing happened in this movie and i was so bored for a lot of it it just was it was entirely it was a no burn it was a no burn i was uh, during the scenes where the the judges or justices or whatever you want to call them are kind of just rattling off reading the yeah the the long-winded you know uh, lawyer speak i just during those all those sequences i was just thinking i wonder what adam's thinking right now when those what's going through his head when he's watching this sequence Actually, those scenes when they were reading off all of the the charges and then the different affidavits and whatever the hell, <laughs> I, I found those scenes to actually be more enjoyable because they were much faster as far as the dialogue. And I also felt like something was getting done. Yeah, I was learning something. I felt like during those scenes, the story was progressing. It was moving forward. We were learning more because... If you remember, it's not until that very first court scene that we even know what the hell's really going on. Yeah, that's true. Movie. That's very true. You just so, you sort of get dumped in the middle of this, and you really have during no that idea. first during that first scene in the court where the the woman's basically telling them that they're screwed and that everything that they did is for for nothing. Um, I felt like that was actually a very good scene. I enjoyed that because it was. <laughs> I was learning so much <laughs> from that little scene. Whereas the rest of the movie, when it's mostly just them hanging out, having conversations, drinking an ungodly amount of vodka. Which is uh, funny because to them it just seemed like that's that's just everyday vodka. That's everyday. Me. That's just normal. They're like, which, whatever. We're not alcoholics. This which is normal. tells me I need to move to Russia. <laughs> yeah. Get in with these guys. <laughs> yeah. Man. Yeah. No one I did like, no I one did like bats the... an eye. I did like the initial scene when they had the confrontation with the the corrupt official guy, and they were drunk, and yeah, he was ev- drunk, was and everybody drunk. was drunk. Uh, I did like that. Um, I liked the kind of I liked it when they were exploring how the the son Roma was dealing with all of this, and I, I wanted a little bit more of his story and to see how he was kind of dealing with everything that was going on because. You know, he was he was affected by all of this and yet he had very little 
um, very little to do with it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like he had no say in it. Yeah. Which I think is an interesting way to look at it where all this ter- all this terrible stuff's happening to, uh, to, um, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And he, he actually has the ability to fight it. Like he, he can actually at least attempt yeah. to do something. And I mean that with his, the relationship with his wife and then also what's happening with his home. He has the ability to fight. And yet Roma, his son, he's just, he's just got to observe what's going on, you know? And I think that it's really frustrating for him. And that's why we see him lashing out and all that stuff. Yeah. And I kind of wanted a little bit more with the son. I can see that. The thing that I liked about Leviathan is two, two sequences that I thoroughly enjoy is the the kind of picnic the birthday picnic where they're out shooting guns and just drinking bottle after bottle of vodka and there's just so much tension in that scene because they're drinking shit tons of vodka they have guns and they show the waterfall yeah you're just waiting for something to happen yeah and just the way that that whole thing played out is that you know the kid comes running in and says that you know the handsome i love that the kid calls Man, the handsome man from Moscow. <laughs> Moscow. <laughs> Even the kid knows. Even the kid's like, damn, this is a handsome guy. So he comes back and he's like, you know, he's choking this woman and they run off. And all you hear is the AK 47 fire. And then yeah. immediate cut to the mayor discussing things with the religious leader mm-hmm. and just leaving you out to dry. Like, you have no idea what the, all you heard was AK fire and we're gone. So, like, what the hell happened? Like, did someone get shot? Was he actually yeah. choking this one? What the hell's going on? And he takes his time until he actually gets back to that section. And then the something that ha- we can't really discuss because it's a, a spoiler, what happens at the end. But the way that he handled that with the ambiguity of yeah, you don't actually just, know what yeah. exactly happened. And it's kind of implied that maybe he's being framed. Maybe something else happened. Like, you that have was, no idea what's going that on. That was, yeah. That was a really interesting kind of twist where you at first you think you know what happens, but then they throw in this little Yeah, but I think it, was a, it was like a phone call yeah. with, with someone and you're just like, Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Maybe. But still in the back of your head you're like, they well, they are corrupt as fuck. Yeah. So that was I thought that that was interesting. They also they never came back to the guy to to Dimitri. Like they never mm-hmm. Like, Which I thought was very interesting because you start out this movie with this whole, you know, Koyo's losing his home, kind of an intimate, imminent domain type deal. And then all of a sudden it takes this complete 180 shift where it's like it's about the marriage and everything. And we yeah. just kind of forget about the whole the whole fight that's going on to save his home. And then it shifts into something else. It's just it kept throwing you for a loop and not really giving you that much, you know, to go on. It kept everything very vague. Now, I have a question for you. Now, I might have to cut this out or bleep it or something, because I don't know if it's a spoiler or not, but when Dimitri was attempting to blackmail this government official and he asked for all this money, mm-hmm. are, we to, are we to presume that he planned on taking the money and keeping it for himself and splitting? Well, I think that that's another brilliant because choice that Andre does here is that he keeps that vague, too. You don't know really what his motivation is. Is is he going to keep that money or was he actually getting it for his friend? Because it seemed like Kolya didn't want any money at all. He wanted no. his land. He no. didn't care about the money. 
but then you, you know, it did seem like Koya was kind of involved a little bit because he was saying, you know, trust me after, after this right. initial hearing, and, and we'll he, go over some things. Yeah. And he knew that the blackmail was going to take place. Yes. It was kind of like they're, you know, Hey, we're not getting the house. That's not going to happen. It's outside of the realm, realm of possibility, but here's something that we can do. You can at least get more money. Because, you know, it was appraised for like $3.5 million, and the government was giving them, what, like 35000 or something? Well, there was 638000 Yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, he got lowballed big time. Yeah. Now, it's interesting, though, because the way that we're describing it, it sounds like it's a pretty, you know, suspenseful movie, but it's it's actually not. <laughs> it's, no, it's not. It's not as exciting as what we're making it out to be. At least I didn't find it to be very exciting at all. I found it to be uh, just very, just very slow paced and methodical. And it's a very bleak movie too. And mm-hmm. when you have uh, a movie that's so bleak and dire, when not a whole lot happens and there's just not a lot of uh, action <clears throat> taking place, so to speak, yeah, it just. I mean, the movie just crawls. And and again, it's it's tough for me to be definitive about, you know, a topic that I don't really have a lot of knowledge in. Like yep. you said, this screenplay, it's a modern reworking of Job, Leviathan. It seems like it makes a lot of sense with the connection with the government and Russian government being tied with religion and everything. But I don't know how how true it is or how damning it is. You know what I mean? It's kind of tough for me, like, oh, the the American that doesn't really know about Russian politics. And this is really a damning indictment on the Russian government. I, I don't know. It's oh, interesting it seems, to look it seems into, that though. Way. Yeah, I, I'll give it that, that it's it's enough to pique my interest to look in, to dig into it a little bit more. You know, And, and I'm sure that there's <laughs> way more happening, like way more exactly. subtle, subtle things that they put in here that we're not picking up on. That Exactly. You know, we're we're seeing all the the big things. You know, obviously the when broad, they're shooting yeah, the broad strokes, when they're shooting portraits of of the previous leaders, I'm pretty sure that that you know that it's means it. something. Yeah, and also the brief conversation he has outside the liquor store with the uh, was that was that the priest guy? Yeah, yeah, got the big beard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> was he a pre- I couldn't. I, didn't I don't. I don't know what. Remember if he was a priest Russian, or not. I'm not sure what they're called in Russian Orthodox. Well, I just didn't remember if that was the same character that we saw previously. Gotcha. Gotcha. I think it is. Maybe. It's I not. thought it was, I but know. I wasn't sure because he was like in plain clothes. At any rate, uh, I can understand why critics are so uh, in love with this movie mm-hmm. because I think that from a storytelling standpoint from a visual standpoint, even from an acting performances standpoint, it is pretty amazing. But me personally, I just was not on board with most of it. I didn't find the, and again, maybe if I lived in Russia, I'd be like, this is it. This is speaking to me. Yeah. But I just, the the connections, I, I just wasn't, I felt like I've seen, this type of movie before i think even winter sleep that just came out this week i think that kind of deals with the same topics of like eminent domain and losing your home and all that yeah so i just uh, yeah 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 yeah. i did love the the sequence of them tearing down his house oh yeah because that just came out of nowhere that's i want to go back to the visuals because i 
I loved the way this movie looked. I loved everything about it. Maybe. I was like, this movie looks fucking gorgeous. Ugh. Maybe I'm coming loved around it. on it a little bit visually. Think about it a little more. I mean, you have your, your typical scenes, like the one from the poster where he's sitting on the, the whale bones. But a lot of the smaller, in, seemingly insignificant scenes, I just, I loved. Loved everything about it. I mean, it was mostly due to the location, you know? Yeah, a lot of it is location. But uh, the cinematographer, Mikhail Critchman, the other films, because he pretty much works exclusively with this director. I'm not even going to try and... <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> no, I, not happening. Uh, his other movies, he he does some... He does some gorgeous visuals in not in the sense of, you know, like grandiose camera movements, anything like that. It's just what he puts in a frame and the shots that he chooses. They're very interesting. A lot of it comes through in the the visual storytelling of what what he decides to put in the frame. And one of the things that I thoroughly enjoyed with this movie is how the camera just very, very slowly like Mm -hmm. ushers you into the scene, like how it just creeps forward. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that very much. Yeah, so if you're a fan of cinematography, I say absolutely check this one out. Just don't expect a lot going on in the in the plot department. Or a lot if you're Russian. Or yeah. <laughs> it's probably to Russians that like, damn, this movie is fucking deep. I could see it being a masterpiece. There's so you know, many for, layers. For them. I could see it too. And I did find it interesting what when he Koya was drunk, I think he was watching was a Pussy Riot was on his TV. When he was just completely shit face hammered. Yeah. Was he right? I was so. playing on, I guess it was, I don't know if it was like news footage or something. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm well, just, I'm kind of like, I don't have I like a, a solid opinion of this movie yet. Yeah. I was just expecting more. I thought that there would just be more happening. I mean, very little happens in this movie. I will say that I, that my favorite character though was the one, uh, the cop's wife, the, the, the one that uh, hit, that uh, his oh, yeah, wife yeah. worked with. Mm-hmm. I just I liked her character a lot. I thought she was really funny. She was fantastic. <laughs> uh, I just love that scene where she punches her husband in the face. <laughs> 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 just fucking rails him. Uh. Yeah, I liked I liked that because she she added a little bit of levity to everything that was going on. Yeah, in the movie because it is a downer. Ooh. Yeah, it is. It's one of those rust and bone types where mm-hmm. this poor guy—he's just like one thing after another. He's not. He's not winning anytime soon. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. Oh boy. All right. So Leviathan. I'm gonna give it. This is a really tough movie to score. If I was writing a review for this movie and trying to be as objective as I could be, I'd probably give it an. I'd probably give it an eight. Sure. But just on just how I personally felt about it, I'm gonna give it a six. Okay, all right. I'm going. I'm going with a like a seven. I think I'm gonna go a seven, seven, seven and a half, that type of thing. Okay, there you have it. Uh, Leviathan is opening this week in select cities, so check that out if it is playing in your area. Just. I mean, it's not as bad as Mr. Turner on the <laughs> the boredom level. True, but true. It's I found it to be fairly boring. Honestly, little, bit of a chore. A little, a little bit of a chore. Yeah, a I bit. mean, I, it's not like 
I regret watching it or wish I didn't or wish I could get that time back. Yeah. Like with, with Mr. Turner, after I was done watching it, I was like, I wish I could get that time back. Yeah. And yes. with this, I don't feel that, but I just, you want maybe like a grab quarter, me like a quarter of it back. No, I wouldn't <laughs> say that. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I don't regret watching it at all. I just, so I kind of, like it just didn't out. grab me. Yeah. It just didn't grab me. Like, no, I know people. what you mean. I, I just want to point out that, it, that like these these run times are kind of getting out of hand. Yes, like we got yes. to cinch these in a little bit. Come on. I think may, I think actually maybe if they shortened the runtime of this movie, it would have been more effective for me. I think I would agree. And I'm usually I think a, lo- I think a lot of times the runtime does I, actually bring a movie down. I don't know what it is. I think it's just it seems like this year especially these run times are just getting. Again, out of hand. Like every movie's yeah. over two hours long. I feel yeah. I feel like a lot of movies these days just overstay their welcome. Yeah. Mm. No. I don't either. All right, there you have it. That's Leviathan. Now, comparing this to the other Leviathans, where where does it stack up? I've seen only one other Leviathan, which I enjoyed a lot more than this one. But I mean, they're two completely different beasts. <laughs> of course. Of but course. you know. I would say I like the other Leviathan better. And I got to say, like, out of out of his films, because I've seen this, Elena, and The Return, I think I think Elena was much better storytelling-wise. I haven't I, seen any I don't, I don't of know. his other... I haven't seen any of his movies. It's been a while since I've seen that one, though. All right, let's go ahead and move on to predictions. Last week, we said The Battle of... Uh, the Hobbit, The Battle of Five Armies. You said 64, I said 72, actual 60. I didn't end up going to see this. I was going to, but I I just couldn't, couldn't, <laughs> couldn't bring it. myself to do it. I'm just going to wait until I can watch it at home and pause it if I need to, to take a nap or <laughs> get a snack or whatever. I just can't commit to this movie in theaters. Yeah, I hear you. I think we we do have a review for this up on the site. Uh, I have no idea what we gave it. What I think six and a half, maybe? Six and a half. I didn't know I we reviewed it. Yeah, we. I think Ernie gave it a six and a half. Okay. No, he gave it a five. Sorry. Ooh. Whew. Yeah. Ernie. So ugh, I don't know. And he's a big. Ernie's starting to get. get he's a big fan. Yeah. Of the Hobbit stuff, Tolkien stuff. Uh, Night at the Museum, The Secret of the Tomb. You said twenty six. I said thirty six. Actual forty nine. Ah, uh, that's a bit high. We do not have a review for that one. Oh, we didn't have anyone go out and see that? No, no, I didn't I didn't ask anybody to see that one. That's probably a good idea. We do have a review for Annie, though. Now, you said 48, I said 53, actual 29. Ooh. And we gave it a four on the site. That was uh, Blake wrote that review. Okay. So next week, we have a ridiculous amount of movies. Now, Are you serious? I, I figure oh. we, can, we can predict these. I... Don't know which ones of these will hit a wide release, so I can't say that these are all going to be in your area. Uh, probably the worst ones will be in your area. <laughs> so, does seem to work that way, doesn't it? Oh, well, I can guarantee the first one. So, we have Into the Woods that will definitely be playing everywhere, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, so what are you thinking on this one? Into the Woods, I'm gonna say 65. I will say 62 on Into the Woods. Not we we got a screener for that, but we're not gonna probably not gonna watch it. Uh, Unbroken. 
This is the Angelina Jolie directed one. I did watch this. Oh, you did? Uh, we'll, be, we'll be talking about that next week. Yeah. Oh, boy. I'm going to say 58. 58. I'm going to say 60. Okay. And then we also have Big Eyes. This is the Tim Burton one. Yep. You know, at first I was not interested in this at all, but now I now I am. I have a slight slight interest in this one. Very slight interest. Okay. I'm going to say 52. 52, okay. I will say 64 on that one. Okay. Uh, we also have The Gambler. Ooh. The remake. Gambler. Rupert Wyatt directed <laughs> Gambler remake. Gambler. I'll say 52. I'm going to say uh, 48. And we also have American Sniper. Jesus. The list, <laughs> now the list goes on and on. God. American Sniper. This is the Clint Eastwood directed one with Bradley Cooper. I saw this too. We'll be doing this next week also. Man. Uh, 70. All right. I'm going to say ooh, 72. Okay. And Selma. Oh, yeah. This one I'm very excited for. I'm going to say 89. I'm going to say 89. I'm going to say Selma. I'm going to say 94. Oh. I'm going high. We also have in limited release two days, one night, and Leviathan next week. So. All right. Just a ton. That's a that's ridiculous. This that is a, that's a, that is. All right. On VOD, I don't think do I have anything? Anything? The interview? Maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> no. no. I, I don't really have anything. Let's kill Ward's wife. That's the only thing I have. Wow. So yeah, it's it's the holiday. Yeah. DVD and Blu-ray next week. We got a whole lot of nothing too. We have the good lie, pride, and the trip to Italy. Wow. Yep. Okay. So that's that's pretty much it. Solid. Uh, I hope everyone listening has a happy holidays because uh, we'll be coming back after <clears throat> Christmas. It'll be on the 28th, so we'll be covering so American. Amer- we'll be covering American Sniper, Unbroken, and a Most Violent Year next week. So look forward to that. Be sure to send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net, and we'll be sure to answer them on the show. Follow us on Twitter, at FilmPulseNet and at FilmPulseKevin. Be sure to race on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson, and we'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches Movie.